Good morning, Crossview Rosa Parks. My name is Sandy Asker, and we have been in a series called When the Journey Gets Hard. And some of you have been in hard journeys, very personally, uh, things that are happening in your family life. Perhaps somebody's been in hospice care, perhaps people have had cancer, or more generally, a lot of us have been in a challenging time, have we not? Today we're going to be in the book of Mark. In Mark, if you ever read this book of the Bible, Mark is my kind of guy. He gets like straight to the point. So within the first two chapters, we already see Jesus in a lot of conflicts. People like to criticize Jesus. He finds himself in arguments. Uh, seems to be a little chaotic from time to time. And I find myself, as I was reading the first two chapters, finding myself sort of identifying with Jesus, if I can be so bold. I find myself sometimes in arguments or conflicts or chaotic times. Anyone else? And that's without social media. If we get into social media, it gets worse, right? I have been following Beth Moore recently, and I can't remember if anybody else follows her. It's been a few weeks. She's literally removed herself from Twitter. She said, I'm giving myself a timeout. Perhaps she is wise. I know other people have given up social media for Lent. And it's oftentimes because of this conflict, the drama, uh, the battle of words. One of the reasons some people gave up social media, and I think Beth Moore is removing herself, is to give herself a break, to have a rest. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, I was talking to a good running friend this morning, and I said, I'm going to talk about rest, which is sort of... Uh, ironic because I'm not good at it, and she laughed because I am not good at resting. I have a, a confession to make that, do you ever get those questions? They say, what would you love to have as a superpower? Do you know what I always say? I don't want to have to go to sleep. Wouldn't that be awesome? You just keep going. I don't want to have to rest. I know that sounds dumb, but that is one of the things that is true about me. I sometimes don't even like to take breaks to go to the bathroom during the day. There's just one more thing to do, and going to the bathroom interrupts my productivity. As we think about the hard journeys that we're facing, what a gift it is to have a moment of rest in the midst of a hard journey. That's what we're going to talk about today, and Sabbath, a particular gift that God has designed for us. Now, as I thought about rest and rest days, I immediately thought about the first time that I trained for a marathon. You get out a plan. It tells you what to do on what day of the week, how often to do it, how many miles. And I'm telling you, the first time I ran a marathon, Brian would attest to this, I think I probably had to print it out on a bulletin board, and I checked off every day. I did not skip a tenth of a mile. My running friends know this. I always do the exact amount. Yep, Cheryl just gave me a check. I had no idea what I was doing, and I needed a plan to give me the roadmap. When you do a marathon training plan or any running plan, there's always a rest day. Yes, coach in the room, physical, like, expert in the room. Rest days are important, right? Give me a thumbs up back there. Yes? Yes. If you talk to athletes, they will talk about rest days. They are pivotal. Rest days help your body recover. Your muscles repair themselves. Certain things like your carbohydrates recover and your hydration improves with rest. It also gives your brain a break. There's mental benefits to it. Now, when I've read about Sabbath recently, I was reminded that it is one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's number four. It's right next to honoring the name of God and honoring your parents. 
It's two steps away, I'm sorry, it's one step away from committing murder and two steps away from adultery in the list of commandments. I don't know that the commandments are like number one to number 10, you know what I mean? But in the list, Sabbath is right in the midst of the top 10 things God wanted to make sure the Israelites knew about. So in the Bible, it says this. I think this is on the slide. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that it is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Well, the Sabbath creates a conflict, unfortunately for Jesus, in Mark 2. We're starting at verse 23, and it also creates a conflict with these people known back in the day as the Pharisees. They were religious experts. They were experts in the law, in the rules of the Jewish uh, religion of the day. Now, the context of this story is the Jewish people at this time, although Rome had invaded Israel, they were still the primary uh, culture and religion of the day. But to distinguish themselves from any other people group, they kept the Sabbath. It was literally one of the markers that made them Jewish. So in Mark 2, verse 23, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, meaning Jesus, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when, his, when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So Jesus is referring to apparently a quite famous story from the Old Testament about David, who would become king, and honestly, other than Moses, probably one of the most famous people in Israel's history. David was on the run. He was having some conflicts with the king at the time, and he and his followers were hungry. They came to a temple, a place of worship, and a priest at that time realized the only thing he had to feed them was the bread that was set aside for only priests to eat. It was holy and consecrated, meaning it was like set aside in that pantry, that chocolate that's only for mom in your house. You don't touch that. It's only for the priests. But the priest realized David and his companions were hungry. They had nothing else to offer. So the priest offered them that bread. Mark 2, back to 27. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The Pharisees came to this situation, and in their mind, they had the code. They had their understanding, and then they looked at Jesus and they said, wait a second, he's not fitting my code. Jesus must be wrong. They questioned it. They even said, why are they breaking the law? Jesus oftentimes in the Gospels had these conflicts with the, with the Pharisees. And oftentimes Jesus was pointing out to them 
in honestly brilliant ways that their way of thinking needed to change. And he himself, Jesus, was king. He himself was the one that needed to provide the framework, not their understanding of how to live. Even things like the Sabbath, this sacred tradition that was based on the very beginning of the world. I mean, think about this. God's creating the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested. That's like the first thing that happens ever and in the Bible. And so this tradition of Sabbath literally comes from creation. But Jesus is saying, even the Sabbath, y'all, even the Sabbath, I am Lord of that. Even the most sacred practices, even the rules and the assumptions that we have deep in our hearts, Jesus says, wait a second, I have something to teach you here. It seems so simple. His disciples were hungry. (laughs) They needed to eat. But for the Pharisees, it was not that simple. It was a rule that they kept to the letter. In fact, the Pharisees had looked at the rules of Sabbath in the Old Testament and said, I think we need to clarify that a little bit more. And so they added 39 more rules. I'm not even going to go into all of the rules that are in the Old Testament about the Sabbath. They made Sabbath, the Pharisees, incredibly confusing, as I read in commentaries. Confusing, oppressive even, a burden. And on some level, they made themselves Lord of the Sabbath and of the rules of Sabbath. And Jesus wanted to put that right. After the story of Jesus interacting with the Pharisees on this Sabbath, there's another story that Mark tells. Jesus interacts with a man who's in need, and he heals him. Meanwhile, the Pharisees, in their minds, are incredibly frustrated with Jesus, to the point of, after watching Jesus heal on the Sabbath, they go plot to kill him. Jesus is deeply grieved. The words here used in Greek, he's mad, a righteous anger. Now, I I doubt that any of you, if we interact with Jesus today, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, have ever interacted with Jesus and thought, I don't like what he's saying there. I think he should die. But the Pharisees were at that point. He was messing so much with their framework, their foundation. Again, they looked at this and said, he's not measuring up. He's got to go. I do think, however, we can be like the Pharisees. And we can have aspects of our foundation, thoughts in our mind, traditions that we have, sacred practices. I don't know what it is for you. We can have those places where we are dull or blind. In this section, after uh, Jesus heals this man in need, it talks about the Pharisees' hearts were hardened. They were calloused. They were dull. They were blind. And I think all of us, if we were humble, would say, oh, for sure there are parts of my life where that can be true. Parts where we just assume what is right or normal actually isn't for everyone. I remember the day that I realized that not all Christians voted Republican. We don't. I remember when I met people growing up who had never left the state of Minnesota. I grew up in a small farming community. Many of them literally could not leave because of the farm. I remember talking to my roommate in college who had an African-American brother who went to school in a neighboring state. Every time he entered a mall, he would be followed by security. That had never happened to me or anyone I knew. I remember people 
who talked about these wonderful box dinners that their mom made from them from the grocery store. And I was like, I've never heard of these. My mom always cooked things from scratch, unless we had chicken Kiev from Schwann's or frozen pizza. The point is, sometimes how we live and how we've grown up, it's just normal for us. And then we bump into someone who has a different idea, and it, like, blows our minds. These are simple, maybe silly ideas, but the point is, sometimes those fit into a larger narrative, and it becomes part of my foundation. And it becomes my measuring, my measuring rule instead of Jesus. The Pharisees started with their assumptions and thought Jesus didn't measure up. Jesus, I believe, asks us to look to him first and him in the Gospels and then form our framework. Now, we are not always going to disagree, correct? And we're going to have different frameworks. We're going to have different sacred traditions or we're going to have different beliefs even about things that are in the Bible. But I also think that Jesus is very clear about how we treat each other when we have those conversations. He is very clear how we are to love one another. And I want to have a pastoral word here, even in the midst of calling us to rest today. I don't know any of you who are in this room. I don't know who's online. But I have seen some people who follow Jesus being incredibly uh, angry, calling names, slinging mud, uh, walking away from people or even churches to go elsewhere. And I just don't, it just breaks my heart. Wednesday morning I woke up and I was very upset not just because of all the things that had occurred in the news, but watching Christian leaders and pastors and how they were taking each other to task on social media. Brian will attest to this. I was hot on Wednesday morning. And I keep hearing people say, we're more divided than ever. And I'm going to stand here on the word of God today, and I'm going to reject that. Because in Christ, everyone who is here who says they follow Jesus, you who are online, in Christ we are never divided. When Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was ripped. The veil was torn. Scripture says the dividing wall was demolished between peoples and between us and God. And in Christ, we are unified. We might not always agree, okay? I'm not talking about that. But we are not more divided than ever. I believe that that is a lie. Do we always act as we should? No. My boys are great friends. People who know my boys, they mostly get along. But man, when they don't, it is ugly. They need other people to come in and help them. They need to be reminded that they love each other. They need to be reminded about how to forgive each other, how to use their words. And y'all, we are a family. And sometimes we need reminders about how to treat one another. That's another sermon for another day, but receive that as you wish. I've disagreed with my own mother this past weekend. I have her permission to tell this. We don't agree about everything that's going on in the world, but at the end of the day, we love each other more than whether or not we want to be right. And we agree that people need Jesus, the world is broken, and that that mission is more important than whether or not one of us is going to be right at the end of the day. Sometimes Sabbath rest, everyone, means remembering that God is in charge and not me, even in an argument that I'm having with someone else. Sometimes Sabbath rest means I am taking a moment and remembering that God is in charge and ultimately I believe that one day the truth of God will have the final word. Justice, accountability, ultimately is up to the Lord for every single one of us. 
So when we are in those hard moments in the journey, sometimes it's in relationship like Jesus had with these Pharisees. Sometimes it's the man who needed healing and found himself at the heart of conflict and he had done nothing wrong. He was just part of the story. Or if it's me and my mom, would I take a moment of Sabbath rest and remember that God is in charge, not me? Can I get an amen from someone? At the end of the day, we want you to connect with Jesus. Have the hard conversations about the things that are happening today. I had them with my parents all weekend. (laughs) We had them at the annual meeting in our conference, right? Sometimes in the chat during the uh, Zoom conversation. But at the end of the day, in Christ, we can take a rest. In this story, I think that there are two truths for us. I am not going to burden you today by saying, make sure you're taking a 24-hour rest period. But I do think that it is a gift that God has for us, and particularly in the Western world, or many of my friends, we're not great at taking a break. Work is somehow heralded as, ooh, if you're busy, somehow you're doing the right thing. We all want to be busy, or we talk about busy. I know a family that refuses to use the word busy. Is it a 24-hour period for you? Is it from sunup to sundown? Is it on a Sunday? Is it a Tuesday? It is a time for you to rest intentionally, remembering that God is God and you are not. He is the creator and we are not. The Sabbath had such strict rules in the beginning for it to be intentional. They cooked the day before. They cleaned the day before. They had a plan for their day of rest. They worshiped. They went to worship together. They read the Torah. I read that parents took a moment to bless their children one after another. They rested, but it wasn't a burden. Jews looked forward to it all week. I have Christian friends. They have little kids who look forward to rest all week. It reminded them of the covenant that God had with them. It was a celebration of what they knew to be true, but they couldn't always see with their eyes. It reminded them that God was in relationship with them and would never leave them. He had made a promise with the people of Israel, and Sabbath was one of those days where they said, Yes, God. We are in covenant with you. They were intentional. How can we set aside a rest day, like when we're training for a marathon, and you intentionally do something different that day? What does that look like for us? How could we honor that commandment? As a college student, I remember being challenged with this. This is a long time ago. I'm looking at a college student right now. And my girlfriend and I, my roommate and I, were challenged with this idea. And so we thought, okay, how can we take Sundays off? So Friday night, we would study. We would take a break for Boy Meets World because that was what was on TV when I was in college. And it was like Friday night, fun TV night on ABC. Anyway, Friday nights with ABC. So we'd take a break and we'd watch that show and then we'd get our homework. We'd work on our homework Friday night. Sometimes we had to do homework on Saturday. But Sunday morning, we could sleep in. And then we went to church. We would rest in the afternoon. Sometimes we'd go for a walk. We'd watch a movie. And then that night, Bethel College up the road had a musical night of worship from any university that wanted to, and sometimes high schoolers, we would just pack out the gym at Bethel College. And they always had great bands, and sometimes there were testimonies. Anyway, it was just a great time. It also became a great place for us to invite people. And because we didn't have to worry about homework, we could invite people and hang out as long as we wanted. It was a really cool tradition that we had. 
It took intentionality and planning and sacrifice on our weekends. It was my senior year, maybe that helped you. <laughs> Friday night and Saturday nights were not that appealing, you know, as a senior as they were as freshmen. It looks differently depending on your season of life. I don't have that luxury anymore. I have a family, uh, and I work on Sundays. Hello. It means for Brian and me, we try on Saturdays to take a break. Sometimes it looks differently. Two weeks ago, we had the privilege of serving at a funeral. Yesterday, we had the privilege of joining in our annual conference meeting on Zoom and engaging with others. We had an opportunity to make cupcakes. Oh, my word, we had so much fun yesterday. There was a lot of sugar at the Asker House yesterday and a lot of estrogen. It was great. And then Cheryl and I had a chance to serve at the Connection Shelter last night. But I found at the end of the day, wow, this is a great day. That was actually refreshing in some ways. It looked differently. For some people, it might mean turning off social media, turning off the TV, taking a bath, I don't know what it is for you, but having something intentional where you are resting. I also want to say that there are those of us in different seasons, and we might have littles. We might have people who are in need around us, people who are sick, people in hospice care. You yourself might be sick. And you know what? I just think, like, again, what would Jesus say? Is he going to say to you, gosh, you missed your Sabbath this week? Or is he going to say, I love you, I hope that you can find healing today? I will be your strength today. That song that John had us sing before, oh, for grace to trust him more, even if we're not able to take a Sabbath. I think that that is what Jesus might say today to us. But it is a rhythm. This morning as I was getting ready, I had a moment where I just had a Sabbath moment. God's in charge, not me. We had it as we prayed before church today. So number one, Sabbath is a gift that I would encourage you on. Secondly, Jesus is king even of the Sabbath, even of the rules, even of the traditions or the perspectives that we have. What's happening here in Mark happens everywhere. Jesus is ushering a new way of life. It blew the minds of those who were around him because sometimes it really didn't make sense. It didn't even seem to match what they read in the Torah. It felt like he was being a hypocrite or even worse, that he was a false prophet, that he was lying to them. Jesus was pointing to himself, a relationship being paramount. Jesus was not going to let something even as important as the Sabbath get in the way of his way of compassion and love, healing, or food for the hungry. How do we do this today? How do we look to Jesus as Lord, even of the Sabbath, even of all of the rules? And I want to say, do you remember, we were in the Sermon on the Mount in the fall. Jesus didn't say, to the rules. He didn't say, oh, the law, that's nothing anymore. What did he say? He fulfilled the law. He did what we can never do. He fulfilled the law. He is what we need. Because I can't follow all the rules all the time. Or my calendar just goes sideways sometimes. Or people get sick. Sabbath is about rest. And Jesus fulfilled not just our need for rest here where we have a moment of peace, but in eternity. Hebrews 4 talks about that God welcomes us into the rest eternally through the good news. There is an eternal rest. Have you heard it called that, the eternal rest? Someone has passed away and they've entered eternal rest or their resting place, rest in peace. We say this when someone dies. If they have had a relationship with Jesus, 
they are an eternal rest. That is what we get to look forward to. And do you remember when we were doing Romans, if you were listening, we talked about some of the ways that we live now. We live that way because we're pointing people to what it's going to be like in eternity. Do you remember that? When we lived as reconciled people, we're pointing to one day, there are going to be a lot of different people in heaven. And we get to live that way now and show the world that that is what Jesus wants for the world and for us now and for eternity. So if you take a moment of rest and you say, I don't need to be in control of this conversation. I can take a day off every week. You are pointing to the world what it will be like one day when we don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to work or struggle. We don't have to go uphill. We don't have to pick our own heads of grain because Jesus is going to be enough for us eternally, but he is enough for us today. In the midst of challenges, it might be incredibly difficult for you to feel like there is any chance of rest. But just as I reject that we are more divided than ever today, I reject the lie that you cannot somehow through Christ find Sabbath. Jesus offers it to us. He says it's a gift for humanity. It's for us. It's supposed to be a special gift. And it's something we can experience right now, pointing to what we will have eternally. The hymn said today, Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. And I want to say today, maybe you've never trusted him before, and you read those lyrics or you sang them and you thought, I haven't proved him over and over, actually. Maybe try it this week. Offer him your life. Trust him that he will do the work that you are not able to do. Relax. Have a moment where you say, okay, God, take over. Maybe it's one area of your life. Maybe your whole life it's too much. Maybe it's one area of your life. Prove him in that area over and over. Maybe today is that day where you are given that grace to trust him more, even as Lord of the Sabbath, even as you rest. Amen.